0: Welcome to the Bottle of Brown podcast, episode 12 with Tyler Shady. Tyler and I went through drama school together, and while I went into the corporate office world, Tyler scratched his way to a living as a working actor. No small feat. You can see him all over television and commercials, often as the loving dad. He succeeded where so many others have not. In this episode, we talk about Brown, the new reality of Hollywood, how actors cope with COVID, fatherhood, streaming television, and his world travels spreading the word. If you'd like to support the podcast, head over to BottleOfBrown.com and click on the Amazon banner next time you need to buy something. No purchase necessary, just buy what you were going to buy, but by clicking on that link, we get a cut of whatever you buy. If you want to email us here at the podcast, our email is BottleOfBrown at gmail.com. So without further ado, here is episode 12 with Tyler Shady, thanks for listening.
1: your setup dude you got the best setup ever
0: didn't i tell you that the phone and my limo was busted
1: (laughs) (laughs) come on bro you got the setup, boy. What you drinking? What you sipping on? Let's
0: light this candle. Is
1: that Fireball? Yeah, get out. Podcast over. <laughs> Come on, Fireball's the new Jägermeister.
0: No, Fireball's the new Bartles and James.
1: No, it gets the ladies moving. See, you're looking at the negatives. You got to look at the positives.
0: It is a social lubricant, isn't it? No, this is my <laughs> this is my Flavio membership. They give you this uh, every quarter. They give you a tasting, so you get three little crack vials
1: fantastic yeah i see that oh look at you with the designer glasses mm. you look like gordon gecko right now good stuff <laughs> the, the crystal with the big ice cube and do you go the big square ice cube or the round ones like i have a couple different
0: types i have one that looks like a molecule i have one okay. that's round i have one that's square i have a couple that are shaped like footballs but those suck <laughs> of course you got to get one that actually glass. fits in the glass. Like the square one yeah. that I have is too big for all of my glasses. And that's just, that's mm. Bush League. Well done. How are we doing? What's your, what's your brown tonight? What did you, what did you pick for our
1: So I, our because kickoff? we know each other from college, I chose to go with the skinny mini in a uh, red solo cup. That is uh, Tito's, cup. yes, the Tito's vodka, gluten-free for all you lovely ladies out there. Uh, With the Diet Coke. We call it a skinny B, but I'm just trying to be classy, you know.
0: Skinny B, huh?
1: Yes. What do you think about that? You know, because I am in L.A.
0: I know that Tito's and Fresca is a thing. Have you partaken Uh, of the Tito's and Fresca?
1: Yeah, Fresca, bro. I've been drinking sparkling water like it was my job during quarantine, man. They have so many great sparkling waters now. So what are you running now? Are you, you got a regular gig going? I see you had a couple of national spots. Yes, sir. Well, listen. You got any regular gigs? Contrary to popular belief, quarantine is not great for the bartender-actor combo.
0: <laughs>
1: so those are the two worst possible industries you could be in during quarantine. Ah. So March 13th was my last night at the, the Primo Bar gig. Took me yeah. years to get. It was the best bar gig you could possibly have. <laughs> shut down. That was my last night there. And then obviously all auditions ceased to exist. And unless I had like a spokesman job, um, that was gone and, uh, you know, and hasn't come back. However, now they started to do auditions over Zoom. And they're pretty much, you can either self-tape or they actually connect you with the casting director themselves and you do it from your home it's i've done a few of those they're interesting they're still working out the kinks not my favorite M- modus operandi because i like to be in person and and you know see feel touch here's the space and just kind of that's part of the fun of it but yeah hey that's what we're rolling with right now you know
0: so can you put a reel together or they just they want to see what you got in the background and they want to judge you by
1: they're judging everything bro they're judging you by your wallpaper, your outfits. They look at your floor. You got any brown stains on there? I mean, it's embarrassing. You really have to clean up.
0: Yeah. Well, you got to keep your presence out there, right?
1: I guess, bro. I don't know. I don't know. My presence is really out there. Speaking of presence out there, my, uh, my, my lower abdomen presence is really out there right now, man. Let me tell you what quarantine has done for me. Woo! When those gyms shut down, brother, I don't know what you're doing for workouts these days, but it's not looking good here in L.A.
0: I did a full build out of the garage.
1: You, you were one of the lucky few. Because you were the they
0: shut everything down out here. What do they do at your restaurant? Do they, do they limit tables? Do they give you any kind of cleanliness training? Do they make you wear a mask?
1: So my lady friend, she works, she worked that couple of weeks and yeah, they gave you the mask, at least for here in LA County masks and face shields are required for all staff. So, Oh yeah. They had the full thing. She kept sending me photos. Looked like I was at a sci-fi movie. It's really insane, but uh, yeah, it's art dude. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. But it's interesting that people have, uh, you know, it, it feels like if we knew this was going to happen and this is, uh, could have prepared a little bit better for it. I don't know. You tell me. No, I mean, you're
0: you're you're nailing it. I mean, you have a higher population density where you are. It's not so mm-hmm. thick out here. But you you deal with people not wearing masks because they have what's called concern fatigue. They just don't sure. give a shit anymore. It's like, I'm, I'm no. tired. But I can bring it on.
1: Yeah, it's month six. They're like, I'll There's take There's also it. this odd...
0: It's a big military state, right? So there's a lot of macho sure. out here. You know, John McCain sure. was our senator.
1: It's kind of wacky, man. I mean, speaking of the children, my two sisters are uh, teachers, and they are, they are, talk about a tough profession to be involved in. I mean, they are relearning, <clears throat> reteaching themselves pretty much everything, how to, how to not only teach from a distance, but also how to be on camera. One of my sisters hit me up the other day and goes, hey, do you have any tips on how to be more comfortable on camera? I was like, Kara, you're a teacher. What are you talking about? She's like, I'm so nervous. I was so nervous with the camera. I was like, maybe, maybe this could turn into a side hustle. I could teach presence on camera for teachers. Isn't that interesting?
0: You could teach presence, period, because there's nobody going into the office anymore, so the entire business community is looking for coaches now. So executive coaching – teacher coaching just acting for the camera like we took yeah one tiny class for a few weeks where it's everything now the youtube generation everything wow
1: that's so interesting
0: if you're looking for some quick cash right now get on linkedin immediately call yourself a success coach uh, for, for camera skills, <laughs> an unemployed just,
1: success just, coach, bro, <laughs> just
0: blitz, blitz that you are a, a camera presence, success coach that's need to so know how to talk in front bro. of the camera. Bam. Here's my hourly rate. Call me,
1: dude, listen, that is a brilliant idea. I'm actually really going to consider that. I think that you got great. the
0: resume for it. Put a reel together.
1: No, I could. And it's funny you mention that because, you know, I just turned 40 in June. I made it! I made it! Cheers to uh, midlife, bro. Here, right here. I'm not planning on living past. Yeah, we am planning on living past 80. So, and uh, I came with a lot of things. In in a sense, COVID's been a blessing for me because I didn't want to be a bartender 40. I didn't want to be stuck in kind of this commercial rut that I've been in for the last. It's it's felt like a rut about the last year. And it kind of kicked me out of my comfort zone, you know, and it's kind of helped me to evaluate like what's next. You know? I was considering some things, you know. The top one being the next magic mic, but I don't have the body for it anymore, so I'm gonna have to do something. Well, like uh, yet, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. Yet. Um, but yeah, it's it takes it's takes the rock it's six like, months. Yeah, exactly. That guy's on so many roids, bro. Come on, let's not talk about the rock. I'm a huge fan of the rock PS. Look at the shirt I'm wearing, Rent's do and the hat repping my boy. Have you tried his, um, Taramana? I do. I got a bottle. And? I love it. I you love,
0: I, I love, I love everything him, especially yeah. because that old XFL football that I bought, uh, at the sporting goods store uh, next to yeah, home yeah, Depot yeah. and Galita, oh, I still yeah. got it. And now he's got the keys to the XFL. So I was like, yes, it has come full oh.
1: circle. You have to get his autograph, bro. Life mission right there.
0: I got to find a way. It's, I'll put it on the bucket list.
1: So my, my favorite part of his Instagram is his cheat meals. Oh, Bro, everybody loves like, those. I, dude, I'm telling you, I, there was this one cheat meal where the he, four like. four-foot pizza. The, 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 the four-foot pizza. I like the sushi because it literally fills a table of sushi. And I don't know if you eat sushi. I love sushi. You always order too much. Yeah. And you can never get through it, right? Yeah. You have, like, one roll. You, you order six rolls because they're small, right? Absolutely. You eat two and you're full. This guy had, it looked like, a party of eight yeah. sushi amount of, of food there. And then he comes up with these cookies that are the size of the, the, his get, head. Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> I literally, I dream about Sundays. Because and it's a glass of he, tequila and
0: Netflix <laughs> and every single time. And
1: Netflix, Every time he's got some interesting documentary. I love it. I know she didn't go the quarantine beard route. I've been
0: going back and forth into the quarantine beard and back and forth. So it depends on kind of a whim. You know, is the is the razor working? Am I having a disagreement with the lady?
1: Uh, <laughs> she doesn't like it.
0: Uh, no, but so <laughs> what she wants is to trim it down. So if, if I do have the beard, then it's got to be kind of manicured and, you know, she wants a fence around the yard and I'm like, no, no, this, we're natural. Gotta, gotta go. go. Natural, bro. So then it goes, you know, goes down here or, yeah. you know, the ears kind of, and then she has this wonderful, amazing eagle eye optical nerve that can get these little tiny black hairs on the edge of my nose. And she's like, do something about <laughs> it. It's like, who is ever going to be that close to me? That they're going to notice. She's like, I am. So what she really hates is if you let it go down the neck. You know, oh, you don't yeah. take care of it, or oh yeah, you know, if you don't, if you don't kind of, you know, you got to watch this area. Got to watch this area. Get a stray one. Um, and it is, it is, it must be an absolute sign of love to be pinned down and tweezed by the woman you love.
1: Bro, that is literally the greatest act of love a man can do. I had a girlfriend who used to pop the blackheads on my nose. Oh. It's the most painful thing, bro. Painful. But me, bro, I listen, I don't have a lady like that, but um so I, I'm able to do what I want with the beard. So with the beard You have to fill in the certain spots. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's literally it looks like the the patchy beard, Leonardo DiCaprio's beard from Reverend.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Remember that thing? That he's wrestling a with the bear. It looked like the bear took out patches of his hair. Yeah, dude, he's not, unbelievable. Uh, he's not good with facial hair. I don't know why. No, he doesn't do facial hair well. Dude. I feel like once upon a time in Hollywood, he had a he had a beard, but I think they yeah. probably filled it in. Beards Ugh. are manly. Beards are manly. You know what? And, and here's the thing: never, I've never. I've worked at a restaurant for the last restaurant I worked at, I worked for eight years, and they wouldn't allow facial hair. So this is my first, really, my first big boy beard I haven't had a beard this length that's not even that long uh ever and so I like because I usually play uh a dad on commercials I would always have to have kind of the the parted on the side comb over right and clean shaven uh for for work and now that I'm not doing either of those things I shave my head on top and I let it all grow out on bottom and I just did the opposite and it feels grow,
0: so good grow everything like <laughs> Like Tom Hanks and the one well, of those the, Castaway. Yeah, Castaway. <laughs> just grow everything out and Castaway, and then start taking headshots. And then as you slowly get yeah. rid of all of it, just take headshots. Then you've just got this kind of animation sequence that you can. Mm. We want. I can do this. Like a flip. I can do that. Flip I can flip book. do this. I can do that. What do, you, what do you need? I'm versatile. So is my hair.
1: Unfortunately, I'm going to look like Justin Bieber when he was 13 with it with the kind of comb over down and would kind of come out a little bit. and uh, But I would have, I have a horrible receding hairline. so Well, just think of it like, this way.
0: By the time you're 50, you'll still be 30.
1: I like that. Okay, okay. So you're, you're, I, I know that guy. You said I that you started getting like more
0: success once you reach dad age. But the yes, good part about looking true. young is you're always going to be a dad. So by the time you – even in grandpa age, you're probably going to be a dad. So when you're 60, you'll probably look – 45 so take advantage of that
1: i have a confession to make at 40 i had a lot of uh thinking about my life and a lot of self-reflection and the one thing that i have not accomplished that i really really want in life is to be a father i am literally a a dad without a child i am the fatherless. i mean the the childless father and it and it drives me crazy i literally bro they cast me as a dad. I'm so dad-like. They cast me as a dad. I have no kids. And I'll, uh, people ask me, how do you beat the guys who actually are dads in the audition? Because a lot of times they want real dads with real kids. These guys come in I'll, I'll say it just like this. I'm sitting there and they'll bring me a son. They'll be like, okay, hey, um, Bobby's going to be your son. This is This is, you know, this is going to be your dad. And we start, you know, building rapport, right? Hey, Bobby, what's up, man? What do you like to do for fun? You like to play soccer? Oh, that's so cool, man. I love soccer. It's great. Building rapport. And I watch the other dads talking to their sons and they're like, okay, daddy really needs this job. So just make sure you do exactly what they tell you to do and say these lines and they're having them practice it and all that stuff. And I go in the rooms with some of these dads. And the kid is so shooken up by his dad's pressure, and the dad is so beaten down by actually being a dad, that they bomb, I go in, I'm like the Disneyland dad. I'm like the the super fun and fancy free uncle, and I come in there and we nail it, we nail it. And I beat these dads every time, every single time, because I don't have bags under my eyes. That's why, because I don't have bags under my
0: eyes. Nobody wants realistic parents. We're not no, selling realistic not. parents. We're selling the, we're selling the the pinnacle. You're
1: we're your child's selling, best friend. Yes, we're selling dad jeans and flannel shirts. Yeah. We're selling, you know, we change our own oil, and the, the the wife makes the dinner, and you know the dad rakes the leaves and plays basketball with the kid, and and that's it. We're selling Colgate and Lexus and uh tied bro that's what we're saying Mr. Casting
0: Director I am my children's best friend until the (laughs) five-year-old chokes out the eight-year-old because he doesn't want a lightsaber (laughs) battle
1: (laughs) now listen I don't want to hear all your dad adventures because it's terribly boring however I would like to hear because I'd like to live vicariously through you some of give me a, a great give me like a a shining dad moment that I can enjoy right now as okay. talking so talking about that. Give me, give me a great moment in your dad history.
0: They're little tape recorders that just watch everything. So when you realize that you realize that they're watching every single moment, you have to change how you react to other people. You have to change how you react to life. Mm. And um, in the early years, I would say it's tough because you're, you're surviving. You're trying yeah. to figure out which way's up, how to make things work. By the time they're five and eight, which is what I talked to Ange about is at five and eight, they're kind of old enough that they can somewhat take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. So you get a slight break, but then
1: Mm
0: -hmm. right around that age is when they start to interact in more adult like ways. So it's not diapers. It's not cleaning up after them. It's not, you know you have to wipe yourself. You're not having that type of conversation anymore. You're now getting into, why would you think it's okay to push your brother down the stairs? And they have a full justification (laughs) in their mind as to why that was a good idea. And those are the, those are the moments that I'm experiencing right now.
1: And that's fair. And you know, those moments I'm not looking forward to, I'm not really looking forward to the discipline. I'm kind of looking forward to the, the thing that my brother always mentions that it just terrifies me is the, uh, the incessant watching of child programming. I think that would be my hardest thing. You know, watching, like, my brother knows Frozen 2. Yeah. Like, he knows it, bro. Yeah. Like, he can sing every song and recite every line yep. of a princess movie. And I go, ah, oh, bro, I can't even imagine how many times he's like, I lost count, bro. There's, yeah. there's at yeah. least a hundred times. Dumb. I can't Iris, believe that, man.
0: I recite Octonauts in my sleep.
1: Can, can you not just like put on the kingdom and just have him figure it out?
0: <laughs> I have a consistent battle with both of them at varying ages to watch something new. And I go, don't watch that okay. again. Don't watch it again. Watch
1: something new. It's like, well, what could I watch? If there's a million pieces of content. Find there's something. Literally a million, a million. My, my little sisters, uh, my uh, older sister's um, boy, he watches this YouTube guy named Blippy. And uh, he's just constantly like, hey, kids. <laughs> and he's like, walk around. Shut this out. Whoa. You know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, listen, that's just not happening in my house. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I say this, and then the next time you you know we talk, I'm gonna be like, Yeah. Blippi is the only thing that is giving me even 10 minutes of peace, because I'm not I'm not so foolish to think
0: so that." Oh, I sounds. want you to picture a four year old understanding how to use Alexa.
1: <laughs> Come on.
0: And I want you to picture how a four year old will try and conceptualize something that he thinks he's searching for, and mm. what he finds. Nice. So Netflix is wonderful because it has worldwide content at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. I, told the, I told the eight-year-old, no more Star Wars, and I put the kibosh in Star Wars for a while. Right. He found this Australian show about a submarine where they're searching for sea monsters like the Kraken and giant squids and Lost City right. of Atlantis and all that. Right. like, oh, that's an Australian yeah. show. Cool. All right, whatever. Uh, it's an interesting dynamic because there's – dark-skinned parents and a Japanese mom, and they're in a titanium submarine searching for monsters. And, you know, to him, he does What does he know? He's nothing about know. that. Yeah. The five-year-old... The five-year-old found this Indian show called Superbeam. Or, <laughs> Super or I don't know. <laughs> I
1: have no idea. It's a, it's,
0: a little, it's a little tiny kid dressed like a formal Indian garb, which doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense, because it's like he's got... It's it's got to be some traditional Indian dress, but it looks like he's got a cape, but it's actually just a long tail on a on an outfit. Um, and the part that is so it feels uncomfortable is there's obviously some uh, there's there's some bit of Hindi that's in the show, so they, there are moments of. It's like a hybrid. It's like English Hindi. So it's like Spanglish, but in India. There okay. there's a bit of a hybrid where they switch back and forth from Hindi to English. But even when it's English, there's subtitles for the English. <laughs> and it's not it's not one-to-one. No. <laughs> That's really uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> so uncomfortable. So you're
0: listening you're listening and I'm listening to the character speak and they're saying something in English with a very heavy Indian accent. And then I'm reading the subtitles and I'm like, that's, that's not what they said. Like they're, the subtitles are paraphrasing the Indian and something about that just <laughs> seems so wrong. What, just... <laughs> oh,
1: so bro. They,
0: they find that shit and you end up watching it. Cause you just, I I was,
1: I, I wasn't hate watching it. I was just like, it was a train wreck. Like what is this? It, I? bro there's so like you said there's so much content that you know it's funny watching trying to find a show you know people are like what's the good shows and i feel like there's a lot more pressure on television studios to like get it right the first episode because there are hundreds of shows and you're and and people are like trying out shows but you know people are like oh yeah it gets really good at, at like episode 4 yeah. no one's sticking around to see episode 4 because there's another show that'll capture them in season or episode one. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and okay. So speaking of Netflix, here are my top five. I was thinking about this while you were, we were talking about the Indian show. Here are my recommendations for current Netflix um, show slash movies for right now. Okay. You'll appreciate these. This is coming from a single man, by the way, of no children. So <laughs> take it with a grain of salt for you All right. All your right. parents out there. Okay. Here comes number one. The Ultimate Beastmaster. Have you seen this? No. It's a competition show produced by Sylvester Stallone, and okay. it's like American Ninja Warrior, but um, competitors all over the world play. So they're like cr- create this amazing rock climbing, parkour, obstacle course thing, and they have like ten different countries, and they all compete for the Ultimate Beastmaster. And it it appeals to every testosterone sensibility in your bones, bro. That's, you watch this and you em- immediately... Familiar. Oh, dude, it is so great. Check it out. You'll be hooked um, by the first episode 100%.
0: Ultimate Beastmaster.
1: Ultimate Beastmaster. Right. Beast Second right. thing. Four. King, King, Kingdom. Kingdom, what I mentioned before, it is a, um, a show about MMA fighters in Venice, yes. California, here by yes. me. You got Jonathan Tucker. You got the guy who's in the Marvel movies. You got Nick Jonas and this beautiful uh, girl who ends up playing um, the lead's girlfriend. And it is, it is everything you want to show drama, there's sex drugs rock and roll fighting everything it's scripted. you want one of those shows it's scripted oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) but the acting is insane and you just love to get in the minds of these fighters and like they just live the lifestyle that everyone wishes they could if they didn't feel guilty about it you know what i mean drinking doing drugs looking up with girls fighting people you know Okay. kind of like living every day, like, you know, whatever that, whatever they feel, whatever they want to do. Okay. Never, never do any of that. But however, it's, it's awesome. Okay. Here's another good one that I just finished. Fear city. If you've ever been interested in the mafia and the mob families, th- all that stuff. But what's the Sopranos were based on and all that. Yeah. It's a three, it's just three episodes series. And it all talks about the five major families in New York city in the eighties. Wow. And how they were running New York. It's fascinating they break it down for the five families you learn all this stuff and you start hearing things you're like oh that's where that movie reference came from or, yeah. oh fat tony that was a real guy you know what i mean that kind of fierce, thing fierce city it's called fierce city you love it um okay this is the dork and me we talked about Two. national impoons gamers yep. um high score brand new documentary. It's, I, I saw think, that six episodes. Did you watch it? Did you I watch didn't watch. It?
0: I didn't watch the whole thing, but I saw it. Yeah. I saw the promo.
1: Great. If, if you're an old guy and you used to game back in the day as a kid, you're going to love it. Atari, Nintendo goes all the way through the video game climb, the drama, like how, you know, how and why certain games were hits and certain games weren't how like, you know, Sega and PlayStation and Nintendo rose to be these massive, um, Gaming companies, is, amazing.
0: Yeah, okay, I mean, that's that was our childhood.
1: That was it, dude. I mean, uh, it's every nostalgic, you know, possible memory you've ever had as a kid. And the last one, I just watched it last night, so I had to bring it up. I saw Project Power. Did you see this with Jamie Foxx? No. This is kind of the hot kid on the, on the block right now. It's kind of a faux superhero I, movie. I love him. Yeah. He's great. He hasn't been around for a while. And um, JGL's in it, too. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's is a little misplaced. They didn't use him well, but he's, you know, he's my boy. I really like Sam. It's basically this, um, this idea of there's these pills that become manufactured that give people five minutes of superpower. Yes. But you don't I know what the superpower you get. Yes. You don't know what superpower the, you get promo. Yep. until you take it. And so, you know, it's part superhero, part kind of like guy trying to rescue his daughter and – you know the adventures that kind of ensue, but it takes place in New Orleans and has like a really cool flair to it. So that was interesting. Huh. Um, so those are my those are my Netflix picks. Um, you know, you know Edward, our friend Eddie from mm-hmm. uh, from, Edwardo- from Santa Barbara. Edwardo- Eduardo Eduardo Gathigy. Yes, he uh, is a big fan of Lovecraft uh, Country, which is on um, HBO I Max. I read an article about that, and that is.
0: It's one of those things that flips television on its head.
1: Really interesting, dude. It's only had two episodes have been released so far. Uh, All black cast in the 1950s, I think, kind of the South. Kind of it deals with that really well, I thought. Um, And then it has this sci-fi element because it's J.J. Abrams and these, these monsters come in and you're like, you just I don't know like as soon as the monsters hit I was like immediately hooked in the first episode dude oh, I mean it sounds like it sounds like the second coming of Watchmen it sounds like something that actually yes. gets a
0: chance to tell a really good story while being in a genre so that's yeah yes. I definitely saw that yep.
1: so what are you watching what's on your list right now um shit now that you're on the spot
0: I mean I don't, I don't get any television time to myself so I've been trying to catch up on anything that I can. Uh, I've Functional been...
1: Seinfeld episodes? Or no, I mean,
0: we're, we're working our way through... We've gone all the way through the Star Wars universe. It's mostly Disney+. Plus. We've gone all the way through the Star yeah, Wars course. universe. Love We're that. going through the Marvel universe that is acceptable based on language. Uh, quick, <laughs> quick, Quick parenting tip. Okay. Violence and leveling of cities, not a problem. Okay. But ass hell (laughs) give a
1: damn (laughs) shit they know which words to oh it's
0: stupid is a word that we try and keep away from our children so i can't do most of our 1980s cartoons like teenage mutant ninja turtles uses stupid all the time and we were in the car today we were in the car today driving across town from uh, going to a friend's house. And one of the turtles must have said stupid like four or five times in an episode. And every single time the five-year-old goes, they said the S word. And by the fourth time, the eight-year-old's like, it's fine. We know it's a bad word.
1: <laughs> I love it, dude.
0: So stupid. I, I, yeah, I wanted right. to play, I wanted to play Ant-Man, which I thought was the most innocuous and harmless of the Marvel movies. It's okay. the worst offender. Really? And it's all Nick Payne. It's Paul
1: Rudd. He's no, like, it's
0: all Nick Mr. Payne. It's ordinary all, it's all Luis. It's Luis telling oh, the stories. Oh no,
1: like,
0: Luis. I think we were wine tasting. And it was that, the day was going to be lost. And then we had that rosé that really saved the day, you know, and then it's, and then they, they drop all of these, they're, they're juvenile words. They're things that teenagers would like, you suck and dick and you know all of these things that you kind of gloss over because you're trying to pay attention to the narrative and you think to yourself yeah i know punching a bad guy in the face that's bad for my five-year-old it isn't it's what they're (laughs) going to mimic in public or what they're going to say to their teacher or what they're going to teach their friends in the playground is is stupid as as stupid as that is I can't watch the Marvel Universe. I give them clips of DC movies that I love just to give them context for what we talk about. And then it's, we've gone through all the Pixar's.
1: Do you have to negotiate with your wife about what you guys watch together as a couple? Yeah. And how does that work? She so we wants to watch on, Bachelor, you wanna watch?
0: No, I mean, that's we, we, stay away I from, we stay away from television. So I got her to watch Breaking Bad. Uh, Ooh, she was head choice. over heels for Game of Thrones.
1: Okay. Which
0: that was, have not fun, seen. that was a fun bonding moment for us was Game of Thrones okay, good. because she okay, likes good. to watch she likes to watch Days of Our Lives, right? So what's <laughs> oh, no. what's is Days of Our Lives? Let's do an analysis of Days of Our Lives.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs>
0: it is a strange upper middle income enclave somewhere on Lake Michigan. Mm -hmm. Possibly between Chicago and the border of Indiana. Right, right. Because there are references to the city. There are references Mm -hmm. to that area. Uh, It has Midwest values. There's there's a reverence for religion. There's usually a very nice Christmas episode. But, you know, it snows (laughs) and it goes through seasons and all kinds of stuff happens in this little tiny town. There's three families that are constantly warring with each other. There's one that's always good. There's one that's always bad. And then there's one that kind of plays the field. And, you know, she loves... It's always a it's a perennial second act. So to me, it's just like a comic book. It's like nothing ever starts, nothing ever ends. It's just oh, got to wow. keep going. So uh-huh. somebody gets pregnant, the kid dies, or the kid goes away and they had a falling out on the contract. So another actor comes in and they go, wow, you look different. Yes, I am different. And I'll tell you why. And every time they... <laughs> Every time they cut to the end of the scene on this show, they always do a sustained gaze while they're doing the fade out. And then Uh when they come back, they replay the last part of the scene and they go on. And I'm looking at this because she loves it because it's melodramatic. I'm like, these people are vapid and useless. This is a waste (laughs) of space that would never happen, but she loves it. And then she'll turn around and she'll say to me, comic books are stupid. I'm like, this is what they're doing. (laughs) <laughs> you can't have a comic book hero save the day and then and then what? You gotta sell more comic books. So you know you gotta That's sell right. more you gotta sell more soap operas, you gotta sell more soap. That's right. So, so much soap. I though. said so check it out, check it out. You want three warring families in a contained area uh-huh. with very high stakes and you want there to be betrayal and love Man. and unification and you want favorite characters to die off as I got it. Let's go.
1: (laughs) And uh, Uh,
0: she didn't mind mind the tits and the dragons and that that, that didn't didn't bother her at all. But the family dynamics of power, what it means to wield power, alliances, Mm -hmm. betrayals, that was just that was in her wheelhouse. So Game of Thrones is a very fun thing for us. Haven't Mm. found anything else like that. We're both in marketing, so I tried to get us into Mad Men, not so much.
1: No, it didn't work. I was yeah, gonna no. say, because that sounds like you described uh, Downton Abbey, but without the dragons. I hear that that's kind of the same kind of deal where it's like you know the rich it people, is. the poor people, and then yeah. in between, and, but, you but need I haven't something, seen for, it. I... You need something for both sides.
0: Lately, like we both love revenge movies, so I could watch mm. Taken over and over mm. and over again. So revenge mm. movies are fun. Uh, And then she likes romantic comedies, so we're kind of going through the list of romantic comedies.
1: What's your favorite romantic comedy so far? Just I have uh, to. P.S. I love you was really good. Okay, okay. P.S. I love you. You Is that that uh, who is that? Ryan uh, Ryan Reynolds? Who's in that? Who's no? That's uh, that's our man Jerry Butler and Hilary Swank. Oh yes, (laughs) dude. So mine is. Um, Gosling Steve Carell Easy go to Oh
0: Bro Primo Crazy Stupid Love Anybody who doesn't fall in love with Emma Stone in that movie Emma Stone. Isn't, isn't paying attention
1: No She's great She's great She's just Just a class act I, I wasn't a huge fan of La La Land I mean I liked I liked it And yeah, I, it was, I could appreciate mm. it And the music and all that stuff but there's something about that crazy, stupid love. I love that movie. I just, I want to be the guy. Everyone wants to be Gosling, right? But we're actually Steve Carell's character where literally someone needs to come into my closet and throw my shoes over the banister of a mall because it's they're They're unwearable, you know, but we all think that we, we're the guy, the cool guy who's got a schwanz out in the gym and, and not me, dude. I got, I got two towels wrapped around my waist. I'm so embarrassed. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's like uh,
0: To me, man, the key scene go. of that movie was he does his he does his move, right? He mm-hmm. says, Can I buy you a drink? No, no, thank you. I'm gonna buy you a drink. Mm-hmm. He does his thing, he gets him back to his house, he makes a special drink, he plays the music, he does the d- dirty dancing lift, mm-hmm. and Emma Stone sees right through it and she goes, Yeah, <laughs> we're not we're not doing that. And he's like, wait a minute, this always works. This <laughs> right <laughs> why isn't my magic, why isn't my magic working on you? And you know, she's like, what are, you, what are you, some kind of Jedi? Why are you waving your hand? You know, and later on, they, they talk all night, they laugh. And then at one point he goes, could you do me a kindness? Could you ask me a personal question about myself? Mm. And I thought that to me was a wonderful reveal of character because mm. what, you, what you find out is the guy that everybody wants to be is soulless. He's got nothing
1: yep it's so interesting but i gotta admit i've used his line the you know you're the perfect blend of sexy and cute oh use it when that first came out i use used it. that so much oh my gosh and you know what girls i've all seen that movie and it still gets them they, oh, still, they, still, love love it. It. they still love it they know it's from the movie and they still love it still- <laughs> <laughs> whatever <laughs> <It's> like- <laughs> amazing crazy stupid love dude that's awesome yeah yeah i uh i was watching um you know now that you know we have time on our hands we kind of peruse and kind of i i, I don't know if anybody does this anymore but you know tv still has like you know random movies that come on and forrest gump came on a few weeks ago yeah Watch that again. has got to be one of the Best movies ever made I'm telling you that is a perfect movie in my opinion you know what you gotta do also
0: go back and watch Big when was the last time you saw think about it
1: when was the last time you saw Big I love Big you know what I think one of Tom Hanks' best movies was? Was Splash. Yeah. With Daryl Hannah? Splash is on the rotation. Oh, my right, too. God. That is such a great – with John Candy, Eugene Levy. Dude, that movie is so good.
0: We, last oh. time, I, I saw Big in my teens, I think, when it was on TV, you know, and we had commercials back then. And then I didn't see Big again until I think I was 30. And I was one of those, <laughs> oh, yeah, Big – you know, yeah. you watch it again and it is a completely different movie.
1: That's a good point. I should watch it as Because an adult.
0: the writing, sure. the writing of that movie was so brilliant that it spoke to the 13 year old and the 31 year old so that all of the jokes you get. So I'll give you, I'll give you a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember her name and his name, but the, the dad from home alone, he's a character actor. He's used. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Uh, He played the smarmy love interest who lost mm -hmm. her to uh, Tom Hanks. Right. And at one point he starts being very, petty. Like Mm. uh, he cheats at racquetball or he Mm. tries to undercut him in meetings. And he starts to do all of this, what we would refer to as adults as childish behavior. And we're like, yeah, just man up, dude. You lost her. You lost her. You're not as good at work. You're you're not who you thought you were. Just own it. Be better. But Mm -hmm. instead, he engages in all of this subversive, passive aggressive behavior. And at one point, she dumps him And he's like, what is so special about this guy? And she goes, he's a grown-up. And of course, (laughs) when you're a kid, you don't get it. You don't get
1: that reference at all. That's so funny, dude. So let me ask you this. What age do we go from being able to relate to the younger character to being able to relate to the older character? Because that's definitely a transition that happens. Like, when I watch Disney movies, I'm no longer – coming from the kid's perspective. I'm now coming from the adult perspective. Yep. And it really is like watching a whole different movie, man. Like 20. you watch these movies, like breakfast club. And you're like, yeah. Oh, uh, good one. gosh, good pull. I don't, I don't get this anymore. You know, I'm like, I mean, I get it, but you're like, man, these kids seem so immature. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know. There's just a moment where you just snap. I think for me, I think it was around 30 when I, when I started to feel like, okay, I'm moving out of this adolescence and and truly moving into like an adult phase in my life, you know, still was fun, still playful. And yet I was starting to, you know, move into that direction. I I also worked with like, did mentorship with high school students and stuff. And I remember I started at 24 and I would always like hang with them. And I felt like the older brother, you know, and I was like hanging with them and like, I was, it was like a big brother program. And then when I hit about 30, I started to feel more like a dad and I would never say dad. I would say uncle. Right. But it it was right around there where you, there's something that flips, you know, it's that transition. Yeah, Really? It does. And then, and then you're no longer can relate to the younger person. You start relating to the older person. You start, you know, nine o'clock rolls around you go, okay, well, I think I'm in for the night. All right, so I got I got something that I'd like you to talk about
0: if you're if you're okay. up for it. Uh, always. You take some of these amazing trips. Um, yes. They're they're relief trips. I, w- I wouldn't no. call them pilgrimages, but you get to go to some of these very far out places, and I know that you're you're serving the needy. Is it also? Um, Are you also there to spread the word or is it just for humanitarian efforts? And I'm, I'm wondering if you want to talk about that because it's fascinating to me that you, you seem to crowdsource these trips and then you go and you do so much good.
1: You're so kind. I appreciate that. Okay. First of all, before I talk about it now, I've had two skinny bees now. So you have to pardon, pardon me as I try to, to go through this, but I will will go through it as best I can. Okay. Take your time. Take your time. So yes. So yes, I do what's called a mission trip when I say mission trip, people immediately think, Oh, he's Mormon. He's going on one of those two year. Yeah, exactly. He's He's got the two year mission where you go with the name tags and the white shirts and go door to door, like a J Jehovah's witness. Right. That's not what we do. So we, uh, usually, and I will speak for on behalf of the Christian faith, uh, a mission trip in, in our modern day sense is, a group of people going to another country to serve the underdeveloped, you know, underprivileged, underdeveloped area to bring relief and not just relief. Like we're not out there to just paint a fence, but we also bring hope and the hope is through the word. Right. So it's a, it's a joint. It's, it's, it's both. And so, yeah, I have had in the last 15 years, the privilege to travel to amazing places I've been, everywhere from Brazil to uh, Uganda to South Africa to China to India um, all over into some of these amazing unique beautiful places to serve the you know serve in these underdeveloped countries and it's always different as far as you know what do we do it's not like we just bring food or money or like I said build a wall you know there's sometimes some kind of building aspects like in Haiti, we would go and we would build, um, schools, right. Cause that was the need because of the earthquake. You go to Brazil and they have little villages along the Amazon who don't have doctors. So we'll bring medical supplies. Um, you go to India and, you know, they have uh, a problem with children and lack of education. So we'll bring school supplies and kind of help them with, um, developing uh school programs for them uh china who is teaching english um you know it just depends man you know um but it always comes with the 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 word right because um and i'll say this very quickly because you know there's books written on this but the basic concept is the western culture where we live we define poverty as a lack of material goods, right? We look at poor people and we define them by their lack of resources, clothing, food, money, all that stuff. But when surveyed, when the world's been surveyed, when you ask people, what what does poverty mean to you? Most of the world believes poverty is a lack of self-respect, a lack of dignity, a lack of um hope, uh a lack of um usefulness, you know, and uh never comes down to a lack of need or uh, like in material ways, you know. It's never like, oh I'm poor, I don't need money, I don't have any food, you know, I'm just uh I'm, I'm I'm impoverished. Their idea of impoverished is more of a mental, spiritual, emotional deal.
0: Purpose. Yeah.
1: Yes, purpose, man. Purpose. So the needy are in a lot of countries, including our own, homeless, you know, being one of them. They're looked at as lower class citizens and almost like treated like animals, right? You know, like stray, stray dogs or something. And it's no different in other countries where uh, lower class citizens, especially in India, where they have the caste system. And, you know, if you're in the lower caste, uh, we worked with this people group called the uh, Mushahars, which translates to rat eater. They're like the lowest of the low. Yeah, and the those people are right? not considered, yeah, the untouchables, they're not considered yeah. a people group, really and so their poverty is not the lack of you know material goods it's a lack of um you know dignity and so yeah so we try to go out there and we bring them some hope through the gospel and uh we help them with you know some different things that might improve their culture and that's it you know try People not to go in there here. as the okay. Well, no, I, I think it's wonderful.
0: Uh, people yeah, always thanks. joke that you're doing the Lord's work. No, you are doing the Lord's work.
1: <laughs> ah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. That's very kind. I do it because uh, I've 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 had people walk alongside me and help me in my life. I've, you know, had a had a tough time as a kid. And, you know, that's why I try to get back and work with students. And then um, uh, my mom, she has this famous story of me. You know, my moms are they always tell the same story about you anytime they're talking about you. And it was the, on the playground as a kindergartner, my first year in school, I would go and I would, uh, come and regale these stories. when she would come pick me up from kindergarten about the kid. I, I would, I had lunch with this kid and no one was sitting with them and I had lunch with him or this kid was playing by himself. So I went and played with him. So in, you know, I was given the gift of, of having a heart for the, for the underdog. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to do my best to, uh, love and serve them with, uh, you know, everything I got.
0: I, I agree with the notion that greatness is in the service of others. So I applaud.
1: Oh, dude, I love that. I love that, bro. Thank you. That's so kind. This is a deeper, uh, you know, a bigger conversation, but you know, especially during COVID my, my encouragement to your listeners would be um, I know we're in a big um, age in our Western culture. It's all about, us and you know self-improvement and all the books and all the ted talks and all that stuff about how to improve our lives and yes some of that is good we have we have issues and we need to work on them but there's nothing like um kind of letting yourself go for a moment and really entering into someone else's pain and really trying to serve them it really puts a perspective on life and it really causes you to uh you know um you know, enter in someone else's experience and realize that, wow, our experience is a lot better than we thought. And it really gives us a place of, you know, brings us to a place of gratitude. And then we, we forget about our problems and our own issues. And, you know, we end up, you know, serving and loving others. And it has a way of working itself out. It's kind of beautiful. You know, I, I, I have a lot of people come to me and, and they kind of see what I do on Instagram or whatever. And they go, gosh, I wish I could do that. But, you know, I have, a, you know, I have four kids. I have a full-time job. I, I have responsibilities of all that stuff. I can't go to India for two weeks. So it's not even a possibility. I don't even have the vacation time for it, even if I could get a babysitter, you know? And and my response to that is, you know, there are senders and there are goers. You know, there are people who are gifted with um, being able to financially contribute and there are people who are gifted with um, being able to contribute their time. And it's not to say that because I actually go to India and I'm on the ground floor and I'm working with those people that my job is any better than the people who have financially sent me there because it takes, it takes both. You can't do one without the other. And, uh, and so I always try to encourage those people who give to organizations that they believe in, if they don't have the time to volunteer, that it's just as valuable and it's just as important because those people wouldn't be able to go without it. So, you know, for those people who are like, gosh, I wish I could volunteer either. If you can, if you have a little bit of time, even on the weekend, go find a local program through a church or through a nonprofit, through a, um, a mentorship, you know, you can do boy scouts, you can do big brother. You can do, there's so many kids programs. If you want to work with the elderly, that's another huge need. The homeless is a huge need. Um, you know, there's so many different things, uh, uh, animals. Some people have a, a love for animals or the environment. There's amazing programs for that. You just have to find kind of what sparks your, you know, kind of interest and, and find something local because there's local things everywhere. And if you don't have the time, then if you have the resources, the money, give to those programs too, because they need that. Yeah. yeah. Find a way to give that. It's yeah. just as important, you know? So anyway, that's a little word of encouragement for everyone listening.
0: It was nice to catch up with you. Dude, always. So I'm glad you reached out. This was fun.
1: Yeah, make sure you send my love to your, to your sweet mother. Most Dee Dee.
0: definitely. Most.
1: Tell her definitely. I miss her meatballs and her cookies. And that's not a sexual thing. <laughs>
0: make sure that the pedals don't hit your toes, my friend.
1: <laughs> uh, I love that, man. Thank you. That's very encouraging.
0: This is dead anyway, man.